0: i you. Everybody, welcome, welcome to me, I guess, because I'm the one (laughs) halfway through that sentence. I realized uh, you should be welcoming me. What am I doing here? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, stop. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) What a good way to start. Uh, Man, I'm so excited to talk about this concept of what is the Bible? How is it alive? This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Before we start, I want to talk about a phenomenon that's only existed in the past 15 uh, to 20 years. It's a phenomenon called uh, binge-watching. Okay, yeah, uh, we've all done binge-watching. I want to try something. I want to count to three, and I want us to all say aloud what our favorite show ever to binge-watch is, okay? And say it loud enough so maybe a neighbor can hear so you can have some debate, okay? So this should just be interesting. Uh, one, two, three. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you caught somebody around you, and you guys can, yeah, I, yeah. You can disagree. Uh, Keeping up with the Kardashians. Yes, yes. Hope that's great. Uh, we'll talk later. Okay, uh, ma'am. Uh, so some of our favorites. My wife and I have probably embarrassingly seen The Office four to five times, all the way through. Yeah, I've uh, seen Parks and Rec a lot. Uh, Friday Night Lights is one of ours, Parenthood, because we're older, you know, uh, but the first show that I ever binge watched was a show called Lost, and yeah, some of you might have heard of this, it was a show about an island, and a smoke monster, no one ever knew what was going on, uh, but we, this was in, before Netflix, so we borrowed a case of these frisbee-like things called DVDs, and <laughs> we sat down, and we started watching this show, and we were just gripped and riveted uh, by the show, and we'd watch one episode, and then we'd look at each other, and we'd say this phrase, you guys have probably said this phrase before, you look at somebody, and what do you say? Yeah, just one more. <laughs> Just one more, which is ironically what addicts say about everything. I can stop anytime. Just one more. Uh, But we just kept saying that, and occasionally it would be like, you know, we should probably eat something to, like, stay alive. And so, like, okay, we'll pause the show, and we'll go eat something. Uh, uh, The other thing, this is probably a little less popular, but, man, I do the same thing with books. Uh, I love books, and once I start a good story, I can't stop. Uh, When I was a kid... My parents would make me turn the light out a certain time, and I'd put the blanket over my head, and i have a flashlight, and I would start, uh, I, I just couldn't stop. Uh, so like uh, Chronicles of Narnia was a big one for me. Uh, later in life, I got Harry Potter, you know. Some of you guys are probably Twilight fans, but you don't want to admit that. That's okay. <laughs> it's a safe place. Uh, but man, I'm so intrigued by these kind of things, how a story and how words and Im- images can, can grip us. They're riveting, and they're alive, and they're energetic, and they're moving. And I would guess that tonight, uh, those are probably not the adjectives that you typically use to describe the Bible. If we're honest with ourselves, uh, you might describe the Bible more as the opposite of that, of like lifeless. Maybe you found yourself at some point... Uh, in an old church or in a room and you were almost like held hostage by someone up front reading a Bible and there were these and nows and uh, they were slow talking. You had no idea what was going on. Or maybe you found yourself trying to read the Bible yourself uh, because you you love God and you love Jesus and you try to read the Bible and you get to a portion where it's someone beget someone and someone beget someone else and they beget someone else. And uh, man, the Bible... Can feel lifeless, and so this is the question that we want to wrestle with tonight: Is this all that the Bible is? Is this what it is? Is the Bible uh, a lifeless instructional book full of information from thousands thousands of years ago, or is there something more to it? Is there a different way to look at the Bible? And so tonight, I want to propose to you guys that the Bible is alive. And if we can learn how to engage with this living word, it has the power to transform your life, to literally change your life. So that's what we're going to talk about. So let's get into it together. Uh, We're going to have one main scripture that we look at. Our thesis scripture comes from Hebrews 4.12. It says this: for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So I wanna, I wanna pause and I wanna park first on this word "alive," for the word of God is alive. In another part of the Bible, uh, Paul writes this. He says it like this: all Scripture is theopneustos. All scripture is theopneustos. Theopneustos is a Greek word that's a combination of two other words, theos, which means God, and neo, which means breath. And we get the words uh, pneumonia or pneumatic from neo. And uh, it's related to the word in the Bible, pneuma, which means spirit. Spirit. In a lot of languages, uh, the words for breath and the words for spirit are interchangeable, breath and spirit. So you and I, we have uh, flesh, we have bones, we have hair, uh, but we also have breath. We have spirit. We have two parts to us. At the beginning of Genesis, uh, we see this beautiful picture of God uh, breathing into the dust. He gives breath to the dust, and that becomes you and me. So we've got a tangible physical part to us, but we've got a breath and a spirit to us as well. The combination of these two make life. And I'm thinking tonight of uh, my grandfather. I'm I'm preaching here on the stage, and my my grandfather, we called him G-Dad. He was a preacher all of his life, and we, I've watched him preach as a kid, and, and uh, he's inspired me to do this today. And this week, we just found out he has an aggressive form of cancer. A couple of days ago, uh, they decided to uh, put him in hospice in his, in his home. And so my grandpa, very soon, like all of us eventually, uh, he'll breathe his last breath. And these two parts will separate. His flesh and his bones uh, will fade away, but his breath and his spirit, uh, according to what we believe, will continue on with God. But this is, this is what life is. There's two parts, physical and then there's spirit. And the writer Paul says that the Bible is just like this, like you and me. There's a physical element, there's a tangible element to scripture, words, pages, uh, stories, but then there's a spirit that it has. There's a breath that the Bible has that makes it alive. Now, one way to look at this is you probably, I'm assuming all of us have a favorite song, right? We all have some pieces of music that just move us. And for me, uh, that song is Yellow by Coldplay. (laughs) And I realize that being a 35-year-old white dude, who lives in the suburbs, you're probably thinking, like, of course it's Coldplay. (laughs) It's like (laughs) checking all the stereotypes. Uh, But the song Yellow was so moving for me when I first heard it. It was actually a song uh, that we played when my wife walked down the aisle. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Uh, But songs are interesting because they have a tangible part. They have notes, tones, chords, time signatures, words. But when you put those together masterfully there becomes a spirit to it, a spirit that has the power to move us, and this is what the Bible has. It has a spirit to move us. Now, this is good news for us because I don't know about you. I I want a faith that speaks to my issues here and now. I don't want a faith that follows a book that was just written for people a thousands of years ago, a history book, I want a book that's living and can speak to our issues of anxiety, our issues of our addiction to technology and racial injustice and political chaos. I want a book that's living and breathing and can speak to the here and now. So that's the first thing we need to understand is the Bible is alive. Uh, But this raises a question for us. How do we relate? to a living word. How do we relate to this Bible that's alive? Uh, I have a picture of my wife, Lori, and I. Uh, This is before we were married. Picture, go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the guy that loves yellow (laughs) from Coldplay. (laughs) Yeah, that's all the stereotypes. Um, So this is Halloween before we were married, young scallywags. We've been married over 11 years now, and thank you. Thanks. I um, mean, lo- all of the cliches are true about our marriage. It has uh, just been a great adventure. She's my best friend, my partner, and I love her to death. And uh, what would be interesting if one of you came to me and you said, hey, tell me about your wife. Tell me, tell me about Lori. How odd would it be if I said, uh, well, my wife is 5'6", she's a brunette, she was born in Ohio, her college degree was early childhood education, and her blood type is O positive. <laughs> You'd probably respond by saying, "mm, you have an interesting relationship, <laughs> I'm going to go talk to somebody else. <laughs> uh, that would be weird, because that's not, we, how, that's not how we relate to people. Uh, what, quick question, what do you call somebody who observes another person from a long distance and records facts about them? A, a creep, a stalker, yeah, a stalker. yeah exactly. If you, you quit, yeah, free tip I'll hand out. If you're a sanctuary dude looking for a girl in here, this is not a good strategy for you. <laughs> so that one's free, that one's free. Uh, <laughs> this is not how we relate to people. Uh, but a lot of us, we have a tendency to stalk the Bible. Uh, we have a way of observing the Bible from a distance and seeing the facts and the information and the rules, but we haven't learned how to relate to it like a living being. So how do you relate to another person, someone who's living? Well, First, there's a back and forth, right? There's an ebb and a flow. There's a dialogue It's not just one way, it's a back and forth. And a lot of us, uh, we approach the Bible as an answer book or like an instruction manual. We wanna sit down, tell me the answers. It's a one-way thing instead of a dialogue. Uh, Another way we we relate to people is we have to have time, right? Uh, When I first meet somebody, I don't say, tell me your biggest confession. That takes time. Uh, We have to build trust. We have to get to know somebody. And a lot of us with the Bible, we want to sit down in five minutes in the morning and just tell me what I need to know, Bible, right? Just give me the facts instead of soaking in it or taking time over a long period. Uh, another thing we do with uh, people is we have conflict, right? Uh, I'm not great at conflict, but this is a part of relationships. We're going to disagree. We've got to figure out how to uh, move through the conflict. A lot of times with the Bible, uh, we'll g- want to go to the places that we like the best and stay away from the the place of the Bible that are difficult, confusing, or ugly, right? Instead of entering in to the conflict. You know, people are uh, layered, right? They're like onions. You peel back the layers and layers, and the Bible is the same way. It's multifaceted, and we got to relate to it like a living being. You know, when I was. Uh, a kid. I grew up in the church and I developed a lot of bad habits with the Bible. One of them, I'm curious if you guys have ever done this, uh, but I, when I had like an issue and someone was mean to me at school or something, I would uh, I would flip through my pages of the Bible and I'd say, wherever it lands, that's like the magical thing. And so I'd flip through and it'd say like, Jesus wept. And I'd be like, okay, I'll do it again. I'll flip through. and Has anybody else done that? You guys just, okay, thank you. You guys were looking at me really weird. I felt insecure there for a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But this is how a lot of times we're trained to sort of enter into the Bible, like give me uh, what I need to hear. So some questions for you. Do you observe the Bible from a distance or do you enter in with intimacy? Do you approach the Bible as a set of instructions or something living? And at the end of this talk, I want to give you uh, some very practical ways to relate to the Bible as a living uh, document. But for now, we just need to have a perspective shift. Uh, We need to relate to it in a different way. Now, uh, next thing is, why do we want to engage this way? Uh, What will happen when we learn to engage with the Bible this way? And I 100% believe that we can be changed and transformed. And this is what life is all about, transformation. Let's go to the theologian Walter White. I think he might have said it best. Uh, Walter White, in the first episode of Breaking Bad, uh, Walt says this. He says, The study of change. Electrons change their energy levels, molecules change their bonds, elements combine and change into compounds. Uh, but that's all of life, right? It's the constant, it's the cycle, it's solution, dissolution, just over and over. It's growth, then decay, then transformation. It's fascinating, really. Uh, This is something Walt said in the first episode of Breaking Bad. He lays out the thesis for the entire series. Uh, Over the entire show, we get to see Walt uh, transform into a totally different person. And why are stories so compelling to us. Why can we sit down and watch a show after show and say, just one more, just one more? Uh, it's because stories are about transformation. We want to see the characters transform and evolve and change and progress. And that's what life is all about. Life is about change. Uh, death is stagnant. Life is change. And there's uh, a misconception with our Christian faith Uh, A lot of times we think being a Christian is about getting a label and entering into a club and then accumulating all the right information in theology, when reality, being a Christian, is all about transformation. It's about following Jesus and having our lives transformed into a person more like him. So uh, there's a quote by Dallas Willard. We say a lot here at Menlo Church if you've been around for a while. The most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. We're all becoming something. We're all transforming uh, into something, but the question is, into what? What are we being transformed by? So let's go back to our main scripture that we're looking at, and look at the second half. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the Bible is not only act, uh, alive, it's active. It moves on us. And then in the second part of the scripture, we see that the Bible uh, can almost perform surgery on us. It can reach into us and it can change us from the inside out. And you guys have been in this series uh, for the past few weeks, what is the Bible that 's a huge question. Uh, but at the core, the Bible is not an instruction manual. it's not a book of information. The Bible is to help us transform into the likeness of jesus. that's what it's all about. Now, an example uh, from my life when I was a kid. I uh, didn't really have self-esteem issues. Uh, I had a little bit of an ego problem, I think. Um, And my parents uh, told me this scripture. It comes from Proverbs. And the paraphrase is, pride comes before a fall. And a very passive-aggressive way of telling me that I was a prideful kid. But hey, it worked. Uh, So pride comes before a fall. I heard that as a kid, and it had a really big effect on me. And as a kid, I took it really literally. I was like, okay, my interpretation is, uh, you know, God doesn't like prideful people, so he will smite those who are prideful. So it's sort of bad luck to brag about yourself and what you've done, or you might fall. He might smite you. So that was a a good interpretation for a kid. Uh, But Then when I got older in high school, uh, I started caring about appearance and status and the way I looked. And I started reflecting on that verse more. I was like, oh, okay, maybe pride comes before fall. Pride, uh, when I get take pride in how I look and how I appear to others, uh, man, I could get embarrassed uh, because I'm, I'm taking so much stock in that. So that was sort of the next iteration. And now as an adult, I've been reflecting on this verse more and more pride comes before fall. I've been looking at powerful CEOs or politicians or megachurch pastors, and I see, oh, pride is a blinding characteristic. When you're prideful, you're just looking at yourself, and you can't see the things around you and the people around you, and so you fall because you're blinded. See how this works? Like, this is the same scripture that I heard when I was a kid, but the scripture is moving and it's active. It's performing surgery on me and it's living and it's, it's gripping, it's captivating, it's transforming me. And I hope in 10 years uh, that scripture will continue to move on me. I mean, how many kids have been adopted because someone read a scripture uh, talking about God Defending the fatherless, and that scripture transformed the people. How many addictions have been overcome because someone read uh, the scripture uh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and they reflected on that, and they longed for this freedom. How many gender and racial divides have been bridged because someone read the scripture in Galatians that talks about there's no uh, slave nor free Jew nor Greek, that we are all one in Christ Jesus. See, the word is active, and it can perform surgery on us, and it can change us if we learn to engage with it. So here at the end, I want to answer the question of how do we engage with it? How do we relate to the Bible as a living and active word and let it transform us? Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Dead Poet Society. Anybody? Yeah? Okay, cool. Dead Poet Society is a, a unique story because these uh, high school boys uh, go to a typical literature type class and they want to, uh, just like any high school kid, passively, passively uh, engage with this information. Like, give me the dates tell me what I need to know for the test, right? Uh, But a teacher, a mentor, inspires them to start viewing this poetry and this literature uh, as as something living and beautiful, that real people wrote this and they can uh, engage with it in their real lives. And so you see a picture, they start going to this cave, they form a society, they start reading this poetry and they start interacting with it. How does this apply to my life? The lyrics, they, let, uh, they set it to music, and it starts moving them. And this is uh, how we have to start engaging with Scripture. So I'd say there's two ways that we can go about engaging with Scripture. The first way uh, is to passively read, passively read. And this is what a lot of us end up doing. We sit down, and we just want to hear from the Bible what it has to say. We just tell me what I need to know. Tell me the facts and the information. Uh, but the other way is to actively, actively engage. This is to put effort into, to be intentional with the scriptures. And there's, so, there's many ways to do this, um, but I want to give you four things that have been super effective in my own life, that I do a lot, that have helped me to uh, engage with this living word. So we're going to get super practical and concrete and uh, just give you some tools. So the first one I'd say is to meditate. And meditate can take on many different forms, uh, many ways of doing this, uh, but it's all about soaking in the scripture, letting the scripture move on you. Now, the way that's been the most effective to me, I started doing in my 20s. One of my mentors showed me how, Uh, but I'll get a note card out and I will write a scripture on there. So let's say I write, all scripture is God breathed, useful for teach, teaching, correcting, training, in righteousness. So I'll write that down, and then I'll just put it in my pocket, and I'll go to work, I'll go to school, I'll do my thing, and I'll just take out that note card. And what I'll do to meditate on it is I'll emphasize each word at a different time, okay? So it's real simple stuff, but I'll read through it, and then I'll say, okay, uh, all scripture God breathe. So I put the emphasis on that word all and then I reflect on that. Okay, so all that means every portion of scripture. I can't pick and choose. It's all God breathe. Then I go to the next word all scripture is God breathe. Okay, there's something unique about scripture. This is different than poetry, like the Dead Poets Society. Scripture. Then you go to the next word all scripture is God breathe. And we talk about what we talked about earlier. So this is a way to meditate on a scripture, and it's been life-changing for me. You emphasize each word, and the the text starts becoming alive and moving in you. So that's one way. Uh, Another way, some of you guys might have done this, is uh, Lectio Divina. It's a really hard word for me to say, Lectio Divina. this is an old practice, practice, an ancient practice. You can do it by yourself or you can do it in a group, uh, but there's really four steps to it. You read, reflect, you respond, and you rest. And So the first step, you read slowly, usually two to three times through a passage. So you pick a few verses and you just read those. And then you reflect. Usually you'll pick a word or a phrase that stuck out to you. And then you'll pray over that phrase. You'll pray and have a dialogue with God. What are you trying to tell me about this phrase? Why is this sticking out in my head? And then you rest. You just sit in silence. You sit with God and let him do his work. It's a really powerful thing. If if you have a group of people that you could do this with, uh, super powerful. And that that brings me to the next thing. Uh, Form your own dead poet society. Um, Some of you guys are in a life group. Uh, but this doesn't have to be a life group. Um, when I was in college, I had another guy. We'd just get together for breakfast once a week, and we'd just pick a verse, and we would just uh, engage with it together. And scripture comes alive when you can talk through it with others. And then the last one uh, I would say is memorize. Now, I'm um, I'd make a distinction between memorizing, like a lot of us might have grown up, like I used to be in church competitions, like who could memorize the most scripture, which is a really weird weird thing to do. Uh, memorizing can quickly become like an achievement type thing, like, oh, I know that, and I know this scripture. Uh, but memorizing is a powerful way to have our thoughts transformed into the thoughts of God. Uh, some of you might know this, but Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, and in that time, most Jewish rabbis had all of these psalms memorized. The psalms were uh, the rabbi's hymn books. So more, most likely, we don't know this for sure, but Jesus probably had all of the psalms memorized. That was his language. And if you look through uh, his words, you can see him co- coming back to the psalms over and over again. So if you need a place to start, the psalms are great to memorize. So those are, I know those are super practical and concrete uh, but as we finish up this series, uh, I wanted to give you guys just some ways that you can engage with Bi- with the Bible. Because here's the thing, the Bible is more than an old history book. It's alive and it's active and it can transform you into the image of Jesus. So let's pray together. We'll continue to worship. And God, I I pray for each person in this room. Uh, I'm well aware of uh, what this controversial, um, debatable, difficult book can be like. I know how hard it can be to engage with. I know all the conflicts that I see in it. I know uh, just the, the baggage that can come with this book. So, Father, I pray for a fresh spirit for each person in this room uh, that they can have a passion, that they can have uh, a new invigoration to, to engage with your word. And, God, more than anything, we don't want to be uh, Bible thumpers. We don't want to uh, just know knowledge for knowledge's sake. Uh, we want to be like you, we want to be transformed to be more like Jesus. So what we'd ask is you uh, would transform us from the inside out. So Father, for the rest of this night, I pray that you would do work, that you would move in each of our hearts and you would show us how to respond to you. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.